Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I'm joined in the MXD, formerly DMDII Studios, with my good friend and my co-host, Jason Zenger, who thinks he's funny and he's really not. Thanks, Jim. (laughs) The reason Jim's saying that is because we just did take five because I kept making him laugh. (laughs) At least we can still laugh after 185 episodes, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that's what it's all about. Yeah. So you know I, what's also is important is to have some laughs in the workplace, right? No, it's important. Well, that's one of our core values. Funny, I mentioned core values and on, on this. What is your core value that it has to do with laughing? Energize. Okay. Ours is life is great. Yeah. We, we say have an aha moment. We need to have an aha moment. We're so. too German to laugh. We have no humor in our core values. <laughs> That's good, Nick. <laughs> no, we're, good, well, Nick. my family is German too, but we didn't migrate from Germany like yours did. Well, many generations ago we did. But yeah, life is great means that you're going to have fun in the workplace. Tomorrow is going to be better than today. I'd have to open up mine and, and read all the details, but it definitely we want to have aha moments and we want to keep each other energized by keeping it low key. Yeah, sometimes laughter can like, be better than than caffeine. Totally. Or wine. But before we get into the the episode, you know, I want to talk a little bit about What do you want to talk about, Jim Carr? I want to talk about that episode that we did with Tom Carmazzi, the president of Todd Hill Corporation. Remember that one? I do. I I remember it. I What was I, the name of that episode, Jason? It was When the Workforce Becomes the Life Force. It was episode 102. So if you go to makingchips.com slash one oh two and there's a great video on Tuthill's website where they equate a pump, which is one of their primary products, to the human heart. And talking about connecting a manufacturing company to life is just, it's, it's a beautiful picture that they painted. That interview, or the, we actually did two interviews that day, but that particular interview that we started on 102 was so darn impactful to me. And do you know why it was so impactful when, when I met Tom and he took us through the Tuthill headquarters? I thought it was so impactful. I mean, Tom's a passionate, authentic guy, and he's just a, an amazing leader. I mean, Tom's become a friend of mine, and you know, I've asked him questions <laughs> like, you know, what do I do in this situation? And he's a great leader. Actually, he gave me a book that I still need to read, and then I need to call him back so we can get together and discuss it pretty soon. But yeah, I, I know that that episode impacted you. you. I mean, you told me that, and we've gotten probably more than any other episode, we've gotten feedback about that episode, about the two episodes with him were our audience's favorites. Yep. Well, you know, we'd been talking culture and core values on the show leading up to episode 102 with Tom. And then when we went into that facility, he showed, he had, you know, I'm a visual guy. He had graphs, he had visuals, he had metrics, he had data to show that by putting his people first and shifting the culture to the people and to the team, that the financials will come. And I didn't believe it. But that was the tipping point for me to say, I'm going back to Car Machine tomorrow and making a change. Yeah, you were a culture naysayer for, for a while. I wasn't, with I didn't chips. know Maybe not, what I, yeah, I didn't yeah. know what I didn't know. And right, I was, of course. I, I was a little intimidated to start practicing it. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, you know as well as I know what happened last week. We were the recipients of two awards at the VIA for culture and workforce development. So, Obviously, what we implemented a few short years ago is really 
become obvious and has resonated. Yeah, you've, you've embraced your core values and, exactly. and your culture. And I think that that's, that's really good. Yeah. I mean, people are seeing it and people are telling us, and I didn't think that it would become that impactful that soon. But the criteria for the culture award was we had a defined communicated company goal. We had workforce development, which we felt when we were filling out the application, we felt that culture and workforce development kind of were aligned and dovetailed into one another. We practiced a good and cultural environment. We have a culture that attracts and retains employees and customers. We have team building, you know, and I can get into that later, and then growth pathing, and we have diversity, and we have formal assessments for measuring that culture. So- all those criterias were met, and we were the recipients of it. So yeah, it, and, and it was really empowering, and I'm still basking in the glow of that night. And yeah, I mean, I was at the forefront of like talking about culture early on, and to be quite honest with you, I've probably fallen... I've let my culture, to a certain degree, fall by the wayside a little bit, and not by intention, not because of forgetfulness, but just going back to that episode that we did before, I've just been too busy, stretched in too many directions, and I've had this discussion with a lot of my team members and I've kind of gone to them about face and said, you know, I've been, I need to, I need to get my act together and I need to be more present and I need to be more responsible for the culture of our company. And so I'm looking forward to learning from you as it relates to this. Who um, knew? You were the one, yeah, I know. You were the one that, <laughs> know, you were the exactly. one that introduced me to it. Exactly. And I was the one that took it and actually evolved it. Yeah. But, but I mean, I've just, you know, I've had a lot of things going on and I told this to my team. I was like, I, I need to get my act together and I need to get back and prove the culture because I'm ultimately the person that's responsible for that. So, so Jim, what exactly are you going to teach us about culture? What have, what have you learned through this journey? Teach me. <laughs> that's funny to, to hear you say that because you were the I'm, one that taught me. You know me. what? I'm always willing to learn. Like yeah. I, There's a lot of things that I don't know and, well, and I need, I, always I, need to step I, it I have up. a lot of bullet points that I, I'm willing to share with what I've learned over the last couple years that I believe brought me to this point. We even um, did an episode where you and I were talking through your core values as you were devising them, right? Ex- uh, you were instrumental in helping us craft our core values, but I don't necessarily know that we did a episode on cars core values. But before we get to that, let's go to Nick. And Nick's got some great news about culture that I'm sure he'd want to share. Thanks, Jim. So we talk about the news every week. This week's article comes from the Society of Human Resources Management, and it is 10 tips for changing your company's culture and making it stick. So the first tip. Yeah, what is the first tip? Define a set of desired values and behaviors. Sounds a little bit like core values. Sounds a little bit like core values. Exactly. And then the second tip, align culture with strategy and processes. So that would allude to making sure that once your culture is there and defined, that you have a vision and a process to back it up. Yeah, and we're going to talk about using core values in your employee reviews. And that's kind of what that point is talking about in this article here. Sure. So that's something that we do at Making Chips. I wrote about it in a previous article, and I'm going to be writing about it for this week's original article too. But back to the article here, the third point is connect culture and accountability. Something Jason talks about a lot. What does that mean to you, Jason? Connect culture and accountability, point three. Well, I think this, to me, when you say that, it goes to the notion of hiring evaluating and firing based on your core values. So I think when you try to hire somebody and get somebody to stay when they don't fit your core values, 
in the long run, it's just not going to work. And you need to make sure that people are accountable to those core values. And if they're not going to embrace them, they got to go because it's just going to cause more conflict in your business than what it's worth. Yep. And the fourth point here, have visible proponents. So this is what you were talking about, Jim. When Tom showed you those charts and graphs, Yep. It's like, okay, now Metrics. They're, they're, they're able to like quantify culture. Yeah. And so I think that's part of the reason why people don't take culture seriously is because it's so Well, they think ethereal. it's smoke and mirrors. Yeah, exactly. it is. And I, quite frankly, I thought it was all smoke and mirrors at the beginning too because it, 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 was, it was elusive. It was something I didn't know. It wasn't tangible. It wasn't something I could put my fingers on. Next point. Define the non-negotiables. So these are things that you absolutely have to have or you are not a good fit. Okay. Six. Align your culture with your brand. Oh, love that one. Culture and brand absolutely positively have to be aligned. Well, Jessica Ducci talked a lot about this during our episodes with her. And what did she say, Jason? She just said that from an HR standpoint with her, recruitment is so important that your core values and your in your marketing, your branding was just paramount to getting the right people in the company. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we do at Making Chips when we start working with a client. We ask them about their culture and about their values and we try to design their brand such that it communicates those values. The next point here is measure it. So metrics. Yeah. Have data to back it up. What gets measured gets managed. I totally get it. And eight? Don't rush it. Right. And that was the thing that I was struggling with was how long am I going to have to practice this before the ROI comes? And I mean, I just can't believe how fast it it came to me. You can be like, okay, here's our mission, vision, and our values, and we should have a great culture. And that's just the start. Right. And and just don't rush it. Don't freak out and say, I've got to have it done by tomorrow. It will happen eventually, and it'll be an organic evolution. The ninth point is invest now. So don't wait for staff and resources that may never come. Take the time to invest in culture now. And the last one? Be bold and lead. Yep. Well, it's all about good leadership. Every company has to have a good leader to convey and push down from the top, top down. And you need to be bold about pushing that content down from the top. Absolutely. So we cover that news. We are writing an original article this week about using core values in your employee review process. And I was just in Kentucky and I met with a company who had a small company, but they had exceptional culture. And I asked Stan Martin, the owner of Martin Manufacturing, to write an article and he will be the chip-in contributor for the week. All right, Stan. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. You can find all this content on makingchips.com. And if you subscribe, we will send it to you in our newsletter. Called? The Boring Bar. I love that, man. It will be delivered to your inbox every week. Love it. So, Jason, we're going to talk about culture, which you were the one that actually handheld me to it, walked me through it. And I intercepted it and took it to the next level. And now... You caught the ball and ran into the end zone? I know. It was a pick six. Now I'm an award-winning company of culture and workforce development. Who knows? So I was actually looking back and it was episode 97 where we talked about narrowing down your core values. And and one of the things that I remember when you first showed me your core values, I think you had like 10. And I was like, no, you need like four or five. And we went through that as an episode and we narrowed down your core values. And so there's, if you go to makingchips.com slash 97, you can listen to it right there. Good. Thanks for bringing that up. I, I, I do remember that episode now, but I think it was more impactful 
when, when you physically came into my, <laughs> yes. you know, you can't, it wasn't private. You yeah, came oh, yeah. into my company and sat down with my team and we had like 15 and you're like, eh, that's not going to work. You got to bring it down to something like four. And we did. And we just, we had a lot of things that went into one particular one. But at the end of the day, it has been a journey for Car Machine and Tool to go down this. And I know Jason and Nick make fun of me because I don't read a lot, but what I no, do... No, we make fun of you because you don't know how to read. Well, no, I do know, and no. I'm, I'm getting better, but what I do know how to do very well is I do know how to listen, and I do know how to focus, and I do know how to execute, and quite frankly, that has go. been the success of Cars culture over the last, and, and the evolution of Cars culture over the last couple of years. Like I've said before, we've had many guests on the show that have kind of fed me granularly about what that meant to them. And I listened and I listened intently and I made the change. And I just like to share with the Metalworking Nation and revisit it with Jason and Nick about what those things were and how I just started to implement it. And I basically, the first thing that I did, and it was quite a few years ago, was I started weekly production meetings. I had a structured 90-minute open table with the entire team, 8.30 a.m., everyone comes, empower the employee to have a buy-in and a say-so in all the issues that are going on in the company right now, from production to tooling to good things to bad things. I want to hear about it. It's a time that we can all get together and, and really share our own personal successes and failures as a team and help each other and have everyone's back. And that happens every day. These meetings are once a week. Oh, once a week. I thought you said once a day. Weekly production meetings. Weekly, yes. Weekly, okay. 90 minutes, 8.30 a.m. on Wednesday mornings. It's very structured. I create the structure every week. Is this similar to a level 10 meeting? It is similar to a level 10 meeting. However, my leadership team is within this structured weekly production meeting. Actually, we've evolved the production meeting to more of a strategy meeting, and I'll explain that in just a little bit. But it's a very structured meeting. We start out the meeting with saying something good about our personal life or business life, and we relate it back to one of the four core values that we defined shortly thereafter, which is flex, fly, play, and energize. And those are really the truncated versions of what they all mean. And I won't get into them now because really core values are something that's internal and not something that you put on your website. And it's not something that you broadcast. It's something that is communicated internally. And it's, it's a feeling that everyone on the inside of the company should know and how to engage with. After that, we crafted our mission and vision statement. Personally, I didn't like the word mission vision. It sounded too boring to me. So we defined it to the mantra and motivation and what's your why. And we went, we all went through an exercise and asked everybody on the team, why do we come to work? What is important to us? And it was really eye-opening and impactful for me to actually write down the reasons why I came to work every day and what was important to me in being a successful leader of a small manufacturing So when we company. talk about vision, we're, we're usually looking like into the future, something that you haven't achieved yet and you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And so you, you've kind of changed that to motivation. Right. So What's is, our, is that what you're motivated to get to then? Yes. Is that what you're getting at? Okay. Your mission is like a mantra. You know, a mantra is a, is a saying that you say over and over again. Like when you, when you define a mission statement, a mission statement says... 
we do this, we do this, we do this. It's what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Right. Essentially but, to achieve your vision. But we, I said, eh, I don't like that. I want it to be more of a mantra. I want it to, to be more like a, a poem. And then the motivation part was, yes, Nick, what you said, the vision is something that out maybe 90 days, one year, three years, 10 years. And how are we motivated to get to that? It's like a roadmap. What's our roadmap like to get out to there? And then we asked ourselves, why? Why do we come to work every day? What motivates us? You know, what's important to us as humans and individuals who have to come to work every day for eight to 10 hours a day? So it was really powerful. And to hear my CNC machinists actually write this down, it was... Yeah, that um, would be an interesting exercise, you know, to see like, okay, so why are you here every day? Right. So what came out? Well, I can only tell you, I have it all written down internally, and I don't necessarily know if I'm privileged to share what they said, but I can share with you what I said. So one of the most impactful things for me was I want emotional and physical health among my employees. That is really what's most important to me. And if you have emotional and physical health, the financial health will follow, much like what Tom Carmazzi said, if you put your people first, the financial aspect will come. So I felt that the most important thing to me was among all of the people that are on my team, if they're emotionally healthy and physically healthy, that when they come to work every day and they have that health ratio, they're going to put their entire effort into making their job the best they can do. And the financial aspect will come in return. So that's, that was my why. So what can like a, a manufacturing leader do to promote emotional health or physical health? Well, emotional health, I think, is is talking to people, having these open dialogues in meetings, getting to know your employees, not really on a personal basis, but utilizing all of the tactics involved in, in culture to get them to talk and share and just being not be closed. Yeah. And just sharing. I think sharing is really a, a key thing. So, but what about now the physical side? The first thing that pops into my mind is like stand up desks. So people well, are just sitting down all day. I bring in all healthy foods to my team all the time. I'm bringing in a fruit and protein bars, quest bars. Occasionally we bring in, you know, coffee cakes and donuts too, but there's always access to healthy choices during the day. So do you shame your employees when they make the I don't because it's choices? not it's not me to sh- who who am I to say that you shouldn't be eating a double Big Mac or an extra large order of fries, right? I mean, that's your choice, but here's an option. I think that it'd be better option if you picked up a banana rather than having an ex- a supersized fry. You know what I mean? Bana- bananas have a high glycemic. Uh, yeah, but they're not, it's not processed food. Know, it's, just kidding. It's, a, it's an organic <laughs> food. So another thing that I've been doing, I've added this into our weekly strategy meetings, is I ask all the team members, how does Car Machine and Tool make money? you would be surprised at how different everyone's answer was. And I did this about six to nine months ago, and I wrote it down, and I keep it on the production meeting structure. And just last week, I said, you know what? It's time for us to review what that was. And I said, here's Ryan Carr. Here's what you said. Linda, this is what you said. John, this is what you said. 
let's go back and let's revisit that and want to know it changed. Yeah, it so changed in me, six like, months. Yeah, so like what kind of things? It seems pretty say? cut and dry. You're a contract manufacturer. You yeah, but people use your machines to make parts, you, and you charge them for. How do you know that that CNC machinist in the shop running that machine? He has no idea how the company's making money. He has no idea. I want to know what he's thinking so I can enlighten him to tell him this is how I think we make well this is how I know we make money because I share I share the the P&Ls with them I was just how we're ask doing that, do you review financials together? I do I don't go deep but I tell them where we're at what kind of answers have you gotten to that question some of the people were really good actually they were all really good quite frankly they did vary a little bit you know getting jobs done in a quoted time was important Getting jobs out, having the high quality to make the customers come back. It was, they were all really good answers. But I think as we move forward and we review them again, the, the answers are tightening up and people are really starting to understand how, how the company does make money. Because Did you ever have anyone answer in a way where maybe they were suggesting a new revenue stream that you don't currently have or? No, you know, not yet. Because you've been talking to me about like, hey, maybe we should start a getting into line. our own product line. Yeah, I know that would be that would be awesome. But no, we've talked about creating a product line, and I I planted the seed with them a few weeks ago that maybe that's something that we need to think about as we craft our vision for the future. But no one's brought that up. No one's brought that up except me. So another thing too is we celebrate successes and discuss failures. Well, what does that mean? When we win a big job, I'll run to the store and buy a few bottles of champagne and I'll bring everyone in the office and we'll sit down and we're, we toast and we say, yes, great. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we wanted. This is, this is part of our, our vision to growth. And you know, when we have failures, we discuss failures too, because failures are a, a part of everyone's daily thing. And we're there to help each other as there's failures within the company. So we, we need to know that we have each other's backs when we have failures. You need, you need to learn from your failures too. Absolutely. I mean, you told me before that one of the fail, failures that you had in the past was that you were actually machining parts and you screwed up a bunch of parts and they took you off the machine, right? And you were never allowed back in the shop, weren't you? No. I'm no, I'm not that bad. I have run a few end mills into the table and the vice, though, before. And you could still see those out. In, oh, really? The, oh, yeah. Some of, the, some of the, the dinosaur vices that are out in the shop have some end mill holes in them and some nice. old holes in them. I mean, we all make mistakes, right? Yeah, it's part of learning. No one's, no one's perfect. And that is also another important thing about your culture is that you need to be able to allow people to fail, to make mistakes totally. in order to learn from them, in order to get better. I mean, you don't want everybody walking on eggshells. No, no, but they have to have accountability too. Yeah, They my, have to have accountability. My brother Noah, who we had on the show once, he always tells this story about these Japanese guys from Toyota and they visit this American company and they say, an on-don is like an alert of a problem that happened. And the guy goes to, to the Japanese leadership and he says, we have very few on-dons compared to what we used to have. And they look at him and they're like, that's a problem. Like you need to be creating so much pressure on your people to continue to grow that you're always discovering the next problem that you need to solve. Right. So it like totally backfired on the guy. He thought he was going to get a pat on the back, but they were like, why not? Where's all the problems? Yeah. That kind of reminds me of that book, The Goal. They're always trying to weed out the, the bottlenecks. Absolutely. So what else, Jim? We have field trips. I take my entire team. I think that's a real important one. Give it, Yeah, give yeah. us some examples of different field trips that you've done. So I've taken the entire team to IMTS for the full day. We go out to dinner at night. Actually, on April 10th, we're going to McCormick Place, Chicago to go to the Automate Conference. We go to the 
Greater O'Hare Association in our that we belong to has an annual barbecue picnic outside in one of the forest preserves. And that's, that's costly for you to take those yeah, ma- pay those machinists to to be off the machine, right? Or do you not pay them when you go on these field trips? I do not pay them to go on the field trips. Okay. I can't. I can't do that. Okay. Oh, you know, okay. I can't, I can't pay them. So that becomes like an option. to drink beer with me. You okay. know what I mean? That becomes like an optional it's thing. Typically in after hours, but do you we, make them pay when you we go to, to drink beer with you? <laughs> yes, sometimes. When we go to IMTS, of course, I have to pay. Because I know you've made that suggestion to me before, which I haven't taken you up on paying <laughs> you. But here's the answer to that question: If it's during business hours and there's an educational ROI on them attending that function or conference, then I pay. If not, then I can't pay them. I can't okay. pay them to go have fun and drink beer and eat food. Mm-hmm. But if they're going to bring back some value to the company, then I pay them. I, I mean, we don't do it a lot, but it, I try to do it at least quarterly. Another thing we've implemented is when we hire somebody, everybody in the entire company interviews that person. The minute that prospect leaves the building, we get together immediately. I mean, he, they they walk out the building and we have a, a quick meeting and everyone goes around and says, this is the this is the pulse that I got from this person. And we discuss it and we we review that person as a team right then and there and pretty much make a decision whether that person is aligned with our core values and does he embody them or her. Does he or her embody our core values and does that person look like they're going to be a good fit for the company? I love that one. Yeah. I, I honestly think we should start doing that with Making Chips because we're expanding. We're looking to hire more people. By the way, makingchips.com slash careers if you're interested. But I love the idea of like having the whole team in on the interview because a lot of times when you're the leader, you're not like in the trenches all day interacting with this new hire. Do you know how powerful it is when your CNC machinist knows that you're empowering him to make a decision on a new hire? Yeah, exactly. It is huge. That's awesome. Well, the only thing I struggle with, and you know, I commend you for a lot of these things that, that you've done, I'm trying to figure out how to translate that to my company because I've got, you know... Well, you have team leaders, right? Right, yeah. yeah I mean, so we've got like almost 50 people yeah, between two locations. No, 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 you can't know, do, Yeah. You, you, so and what I would this, recommend, I don't know your business and I would never elude the fact that I would, but you have, of the 25 at Black and the 25 at Zanger, I'm just articulating right. that yep. that way, there's probably layers of leadership right there. So when... The leaders should each interview the right. new hire and we, that we do separately, that. right? And then, as soon as that new hire walks out, all those leaders should get together and discuss the pulse that they got from that prospective new hire. That's what I would recommend. Of course, reviews. You millennials like reviews often, especially when somebody's new. I typically go thirty days, sixty days, ninety days, and then maybe six months, one year, and then annually after that. We're charitable. So what we're doing lately is we asked all the employees to let us know what charities they would want to, if, if they had money to give to particular charities, what, what's important to them. So for me, it's like Parkinson's. Of course, my dad has Parkinson's disease. It's important for me to give back to that and be philanthropic to that. Don't even try. I know, to that charity. Again, maybe some someone had, maybe has had a parent die of cancer or something else. We want to know what the employees' feelings are for charities. Yeah, for us, it's ALS. Uh, right. The, our founder, my grandfather, his his wife died of ALS, and we all, so many people from the company do this ALS walk in Rockford, and it's 
it's a big fun time for the for the company. Exactly, and it, it shows culture. It's it's part of your values. A uh, flex schedules. You know, I know in a manufacturing company, I can't say to my machinist, "Come in whenever you want. You're going to get your job done." But at the end of the day, I'm pretty flexible. If somebody wants to take time off, I'll, I'll let them. I can't pay them for their time off. You know, we don't have unlimited PTO, but if people need to get off, I'm understanding of that, that they need to take care of things outside of their personal life. I bring in experts, people like health plan professionals that really do deep dives on our plan to really under, let them understand all the values and what their healthcare provider can offer. Investment plans, we had we, we recently converted our 401k plan to a new investment company. I brought in a professional from the investment company, sat down with the entire team, and he explained to them the options that they can, and then we're going to schedule one-on-one meetings with that investment expert and our employees. Again, Nick, I, I share company financials. And at the end of our production meeting every week, we everyone is delegated to get a lottery ticket. For, well, hold on, pause before you go to the yeah, whole lottery thing. The lottery. I want to ask you a question about sure. the P&L. So tell me exactly what level of detail that you you do show to everybody for plus or your P and L. Just plus or minus where we're at. Just the bottom line, right? The bottom so, line. So you show you don't show sales or costs. I or do show. Like that. I do show sales. So you show sales so, and net profit. Yes, I do show those. Net are the, those are the only two that you show, right? So I can't really show how we're doing because that's more on a one-to-one level. Like if you were a CNC machinist, you'd have accountability for making your jobs profitable, right? Right. I'm not going to call you out in front of the entire team and say the last six jobs you did, we lost. Well, I don't mean job 5, by job. You're talking. You're talking the overall company. I'm you talking show the overall the company, right? right. So, and but you do show. I can go right to as soon as you log into QuickBooks. Boom, that number shows up right on your dashboard. Right. It's that quick. You show the net profit to everybody on a weekly weekly basis? Uh, My leadership team, I'm showing it weekly. To the entire team, I'm showing it uh, quarterly. Okay. Quarterly. And, And then how does that translate to something in their pocket? Well, it's all about accountability. If they're doing well, Mm -hmm. then I will reward them on, on that. Okay. And then most recently, we decided to do morning daily huddles with our operations manager, Ryan. He gets together with all the shop floor people every morning, 7 a.m. from 5 to 15 minutes and just gives direction for the day. Like a stand-up? Like, like a stand-up meeting. They, yeah. they go right out right by the coffee machine and they stand up and they say, this is this. And there's still, there's so much more, but I don't, I don't want to take too much time. These have been the ones that have been most empowering to us. So you've made many, many 20-something bullet points worth of investments in culture. Has there been a return on that investment? Yes. And I, I will tell you that how impactful this was. So last Monday... My sales manager, John, scheduled a phone call with a sales prospect on a East Coast semiconductor company, a $5.5 billion a year company. We got a hold of him to schedule a call for, to do machining. During that call, I was, John was going on about you know, what we do, and then we've defined through our L10 meetings, what our three uniques are, and they're people, communication, and technology. And while John was talking, I thought, you know, I've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I thought, I'm just going to go for it. And I started talking about our culture. And this guy totally bought into it, totally understood where I was coming from. 
and wanted to know more. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, we just were the recipient of two awards last week for workforce development culture. And was like, this was the, the big differentiator for that particular call. I was just looking at some statistics. I had a long car ride and I was looking at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, just how many machinists there are, how many contract manufacturers there are. There are literally thousands of job shops and thousands of them around the same size with the same type of machinery that you have. So you got to do something to differentiate. Gotcha. And culture is just a great differentiator. Yeah. So I'm I'm really feeling good about this new prospect it becoming a car partner because he understands the importance of partnership and he understands our value and he understands our three uniques. And it, what we've determined as a leadership team is if the customer does not understand our three uniques and value us for those they're not going to be a good customer. John's already told me that he's crossed off many, many, many prospects in HubSpot already because he went through and said, do they respect us for our people, our communication, and our technology? And if the answer was no, boom, hit, they hit delete. So we're really focusing on that as a company moving into the, into the future. What would a small manufacturing company like yourselves, what, what would be the most important thing for them to do tomorrow besides listen to the plethora of making chips episodes on core values and culture. Start open dialogue with your team. I think that's the the most important place to start for me. It was for me. That's where I started because I think that if people have an opportunity to speak up, that they will. And the more structured you do that, people are going to really start evolving themselves and and sharing more and more with what they think that the the value of the company is going to be and and where they can take it because everyone has a voice and everyone needs to share what they think about what's going on and it's just really empowering to the employee well i mean you develop your values based on the best of the best in your company and it's not about sending an edict down from the front office right and then I think staying focused, I think that, you know, you, you need to really stay true to the decisions you're making. I think another thing too is like no distractions. I mentioned the other day that we don't have cell phones in our meetings because I want everyone to know that if they see me on my cell phone during a production or strategy meeting, they know that I'm not invested into hearing what they're going to say. They see me and they are reacting to my behaviors during that production production meeting. They know I'm taking this very seriously, and this is serious stuff. And I just I'm, I'm setting an example for the rest of the company. We even turn off our our phone line, so if somebody calls Car Machine and Tool during that time, we won't even answer the phone call. You, you just cut the power to the entire facility, right? It's all about <laughs> us. You stop just, making it's chips. All about, yeah, he it's turns all the about. Off. It's all about us. Those are really the top tips, Jason. That I would say to a small manufacturing company to start this culture shift tomorrow. And you know, if anyone has any questions, they can feel free to link in with me and shoot me a DM and. And we'll talk offline. I'll be happy to, to share with what I know about that. So, Jim, like I mentioned before, we have talked about culture and core values a lot. So, obviously, we feel it's important. Um, I was listening. The Metalworking Nation tells us that they feel it's important to their company. I think that the only people that don't believe that it's important are the people that are not embracing it. And I think that they should embrace it. I think they should go back and listen to some of those articles and just jump in the pool. 
or, well, or it's a, not for everybody. It's not. Well, no, it really is every, com- every company has a culture. Every company does. Right. It, it's, it's either just, a good culture or a bad culture. Well, and, or it's it's a defined culture or undefined. I mean, you can have a good culture and it's not defined. That that's definitely possible. Yeah. It, yeah. I think that you should take some notes down and take every company I would assume has meetings. I would imagine you get mm. together with, well, not I would all not company, assume yeah, that. I would not, not assume you're that. You're right. Not all companies have meetings, but you know, if you don't call a meeting and just say, Hey team, should we start having these conversations? These are some of the notes that I've taken from all of these making chips episodes. Should we start having these conversations? And I would imagine that your team wants to define their culture because you've probably hired people that were not a good fit for your team and it's had bad consequences. So oh, when let's I think, try not to repeat those mistakes. Yeah. I'm, I've, when I go back years ago and think about some of the hires that we've had, they were not good. Those people did not fit our core values, at least my core values. Now, whether or not they were my dad's core values, I don't know. But And those things could change with, with successive totally. generations. I know that there's a notion that your core values never change. I don't know that I believe that. I think that they can evolve over time, and especially with ownership changes, they can definitely Well, the um, leader change. of the company is the one that's really defining the culture, well, but the core values are the thing that is defined by the entire company. Yeah, you know, I, I would I would disagree with you to a certain extent. I think that the leader is is accountable for the core values, and I think that the core values can change with the leader, how the leader hires, how the leader directs the company. But the culture and the core values are part of the people as a whole. So with that, we've talked a lot about culture, but as it always goes, if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips Podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution. And many of them are at makingchips.com. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, and so is Jason Zanger. (laughs) Good one. If you are connected.